Hi, travelers. This is Space Mountain Mission Control. Please bear with us. Your ship is being prepped for launch and should be ready to go soon. Kindly step all the way in, please, and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. Attention, all boats on the Irrawaddy near Mandalay. This is the Colonial Portmaster. There have been reports of some disturbances in your area. Please travel with caution. Captain, there's something weird out there! And now, direct from Innoventions, it's the Entertainment Zone with your host, the multi-talented, the devastatingly handsome, W. Your information station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 282 for the week of July 8th, 2012. Hearing directly from you is one of the aspects of the show that I enjoy most. And being able to answer your questions, help you plan your next Walt Disney World vacation, or even just talk about Disney trivia and history makes this really a two-way conversation and hopefully helps you enhance your appreciation and enjoyment of the parks. So I'm opening up the inbox again, and I'm going to answer your questions about everything from boat rides in Walt Disney World to Shades of Green, the Haunted Mansion stretching room, art of animation, premier passports, Disney Cruise Line Land and Sea Vacations, the Disney Honeymoon Registry, planning a surprise party in Walt Disney World, and much more. I'm then going to have the answer and winner of last week's Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week and pose a new question for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then be sure and stay for the announcements, including information about the next WDW Radio Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World, our upcoming WDW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream, the e-ticket event to kick off Epcot's 30th anniversary, as well as some of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. The reason why I started to and continue to do this show is to share, and more importantly, to help. To share my passion for all things Disney, but really to help you get the most out of your Walt Disney World experience by learning more and understanding and highlighting the stories, details, and experiences that maybe you missed along the way. But I also like being able to help you individually and as a community because I think the best way to help is by taking questions directly from you and answering and sharing them on the show with others because chances are other people have similar questions to yours as well. So this week we're going to open up the inbox and answer more of your listener email questions and joining me once again is someone else who loves helping people plan and enjoy their Disney vacations as well and she is the Hades to my Hercules, the Syndrome to my Bob Parr, the Jafar to my Aladdin, the Hook to my Pan, and the Sid to my Buzz. She is, of course, Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. What I want to know is how did you, how, how did I end up with the villain side of this stuff? I don't really? know. And it's by just... the way, 
I I still have Mater's song in my head. I, I can't get it out. I, I have almost not been able broke to get... out into twisting, twirling, whipping, whirling. <laughs> oh, but no. I know. I know. It's Realize. one of those things you can't get it out of your head. Spontaneous giggling. Just saying. <laughs> See? It is the, right it's there. a small world for a new generation, the songs from Mater's Junkyard Jamboree at Carsland. There we go. All right, Becky, as you know, we have a ton of emails to get to. The inbox is overflowing. I am trying to get to these as quickly as I can. So let's get right into it with the first question. Hey, Lou, myself and my fiance, wife when we make our trip, will be going to Disney for our honeymoon. We're going to be staying at Pop Century, and she's never been to the world, and I've been twice the last time in 2000, and on my two previous trips, I've never stayed inside the park. And one of my fondest memories was the boat ride to the Magic Kingdom from the parking lot. And so I was wondering, do the Disney buses take you straight to the entrance, or would we have a chance to ride the boat and or monorail? Also, we're eating at Coral Reef one of our days there. And since you know food, do you have any suggestions on what to get? Thank you, Robert. So, Robert, first, let me congratulate you and your fiance slash wife when you make your trip. And thank you for letting your first question be about food. But let's take the first part of your first question first. (laughs) You were talking about the boat ride from the parking lot to the Magic Kingdom. And you were talking about taking the buses to the entrance. Or would you have a chance to ride the boat or monorail? So if you take the buses from Pop Century, they will drop you off at the entrance to the Magic Kingdom. So you will walk from the bus station right into the front entrance. What I would suggest doing, though, because I agree that the boat rides to either the Transportation or Ticket Center or one of the resorts is a lot of fun. They are attractions in and of themselves, the boats and the monorail. So if you take maybe the bus from Pop Century to the Magic Kingdom, maybe if you want to take a break during the day or later on at night, go have dinner at the Contemporary or the Polynesian or the Grand Floridian, take a boat ride there, take a monorail ride back. So at least you get that experience of doing those transportation attractions as well. Right. What I was going to say, though, if you're not really in a hurry, because it is great to relive those memories. And one of the best things that I love about Walt Disney World is that the modes of transportation are attractions in themselves. So if you're not in a hurry, how about taking a bus to Epcot? Then you can grab the monorail to the Ticket Transportation Center, and then you can decide to either take a connecting monorail or just hop the boat. So you have that that planes, trains, monorail, boats <laughs> scenario where you get to kind of enjoy uh, the transportation modes all the way to the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, but my solution lets Robert and his new wife not only enjoy the transportation modes, but they now have an excuse to go and eat at some of the other oh, restaurants as well, too. So I'm sure they won't need an excuse, Lou. Is you go over to... <laughs> Uh, You take a boat ride over to the Polynesian and you eat at Ohana or the Kona Cafe. Maybe get some sushi out there. Then you can maybe take a bus, uh, uh, the monorail back, and then later on at night, go have cocktails over at the lounge over at the Wave or go to Meisner's Net Lounge over at the Grand Floridian, listen to the Grand Floridian Society Orchestra. And then the next day, since you're going to be at Epcot, eating at the Coral Reef, Now we can talk about what I think you can and should eat, because despite what Finding Nemo says, Becky Mankin, fish are friends and food. Uh, Why did you have to put it that way? Really? (laughs) Really? Don't look in the aquarium before you eat, but really. So um, I think Coral Reef is, believe it or not, one of the somewhat hidden treasures, because it, it very much is not necessarily on everybody's radar. You don't see it right in front of you when you walk into the uh, Nemo and Friends attraction. It's off around the corner, around the side. 
but it's a beautiful restaurant, very, very well-themed, and you eat really kind of inside and up against the giant aquarium walls, and they do, and some people say, well, it's only seafood, and, and my, I'm really not a big seafood person, but they do have a lot of non-seafood entrees mm-hmm. in there as well, too. But you Yeah, did, they sure do. I'm sorry, you asked about some of the things that, uh, recommendations of suggestions, I've eaten there a number of times, and one, a couple of things that I've tried, I'm a big appetizer guy, I like sharing appetizers, they do have an appetizer for two, it has crab cakes with tropical fruit salsa, uh, crispy fried shrimp with uh, like a, a jicama slaw, and a little bit of the creamy lobster soup. And they also has fish tostadas with na- Napa cabbage, avocado cilantro cream, and fresh lime. I'm smiling. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> but but to your point, uh, not everybody is a big fish fan. And I'm one of those people. But I really do enjoy coral reef because they do have um, some great entrees that are away from the fish. They've got a, a nice uh, chicken breast um, option for the, uh, an entree and a New York strip, which I really enjoyed. They also had a lobster ravioli on the menu when I was there. Hopefully it's still there because that was really good. But of course, I, I can't help it. They have a Bailey's and Jack Daniels chocolate mousse. <laughs> I'm shaking because my dinner, head. I'm just dinner, shaking my head. Dinner has to be part of dessert or dessert part of dinner or something of that nature, right? Doesn't dessert come first? But they also have a great creme brulee, too, if you want to stay away from the Baileys and Jack Daniels. But um, there are a lot. My point is there's a lot of different options. So if you're not a big fish fan and your spouse or the people you're going with are, there's choices for you as well. And I, I really do like the atmosphere. The, um, the aquarium right in front of you is kind of bizarre if you're, if you're eating fish and looking at fish. Some of us have that kind of, whoa, that's kind of weird. But it is a beautiful venue. And like you said, it is kind of a hidden gem. You know, most people, when they have a a nice meal, they go through it in courses, right? They may go for a cocktail, have appetizers, salad, entrees, dessert. You just mesh them all together. You want the cocktails and the dessert together. Bailey's and Jack Daniel mousse, Bailey's, Jack Daniel, and chocolate all mushed together. And you can forget about the Shiraz braised pork shank with rainbow chard and spiced butternut squash. Seriously? I have three words for you. Carrot cake cookie. Right? It's healthy. (laughs) Mishmashing right. stuff, yeah. But also, that- too, the, the thing about, um, you should always certainly ask your server, and, they'll, and obviously they'll tell you, Robert, but they do have a sustainable seasonal catch, uh, which is always very nice. The market price changes uh, depending on what the fish is, but usually it's very, very fresh, and it, it changes seasonally, so that's always a good option as well, too. And the entrees there will run you anywhere from about... $19 to about $31 for a really nice big New York strip uh, as well, too. All right. So the next question comes from Bill and he says, Lou, I've been a longtime listener. Enjoy listening to each and every podcast you put out. And my question for you is this. I'm in the planning stages of a trip and thinking of staying at the Shades of Green since I am a U.S. Air Force member. Thank you for your service. And I was wondering if they have the same Walt Disney World info TV stations that include things like park hours, etc., that when that you get when you stay in a Disney owned hotel. Keep up the great work. Look forward to listening to and listening to your show each and every week, Bill. So Bill, that's a great question. And believe it or not, I've stayed in every single resort on property, research purposes only, but I've never since I've never actually stayed at Shades of Green 
before because you do need to be uh, active or retired military, although I'd love the opportunity to check that out. What I would do is I would refer you back to show number 108. That's from March 1st, 2009, where we talk about Walt Disney World from a military perspective. And we had somebody who was in the, uh, the armed services come on. We took a very large, detailed look at Shades of Green. I think we actually covered that there. Uh, I do believe, I do want to say that they do have the resort TV information there. But don't quote me on it. You could also obviously call Shades of Green directly and check for it as well. I think Bill just wants his Stacy fix. He's just looking for Stacy to help, you know, <laughs> wake up, help him wake up in the day. Well, that's a staple, you know, turning on that you get into your room and you turn on the channel and Stacy's there to tell you the top C's or, you know, what you're supposed to do in the parks that day. Yummy, so. yummy, yummy. All right. Yummy. Let's move on. Hey, Lou Pretzels and hopefully Becky. <laughs> I have two questions for you, Lou, and maybe one for Becky. So at the Haunted Mansion, I've heard about the stretching room being an elevator, but I've also heard rumors stating that it is not. So is the floor actually an elevator or is it just the ceiling? Next, my family is a big fan of the cabins at Fort Wilderness. And when we take the boat to the Magic Kingdom, we pass an island on the right. And I was wondering if you could tell me what this mystery place is. And finally, a travel-related question. If I try and camp at the tents at Fort Wilderness Campgrounds, where can I park my car, and how does the process staying there actually work? Being merely capable of iTunes and email, I'm extremely confused as to how it works. Is it a plot of land that I stay on? Can I have a cabin while having the tent because I've got a big family? We might just get two cabins, but we're hoping our two kids and our friends' two kids could stay at the tents and the parents could sleep in the cabin. Don't worry. We do love our children. They're just trying to stay in the tents by themselves. <laughs> Hopefully, it didn't bombard you with too many questions. Thanks for all you do. I got off track, had to download 200-plus shows, which takes a long time, he says, but I'm back and excited about Disney again, and that comes from Daily Cass in Savannah, Georgia. So, Daily, I love the questions because you go into uh, some cool details and you're talking about the cabins and... Uh, a little bit of Disney history out there in the uh, in the lakes as well. What do you say we go backwards, Becky? Let's 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 talk about the Fort Wilderness parking the car and the, the the sort of the process of checking in and getting your tents and cabins and how you do all that. Well, I gotta say that I really do like the full Fort Wilderness area because it has a lot of options for people, it, ranging from the tent campsites. They have like four different campsites that you can uh, that you can rent for per night, which range from just a basic where there's a slab and um, a fire pit where you can set up a tent, and there is a an area to park a car. So it, that's where they start at the basic, and then they range all the way up to RV hookups for their campsite. So the, the prices typically range uh, from $50 to $100 a night, depending on what type you get. And you can, again, park the car at the tent site, or if you have extra cars and there's not enough space, you can also park your additional cars in the main lot and then take a bus back to the individual loops. And you have to think of loops. The campsites are on different, think about different blocks in a neighborhood known as loops. Um, the tent sites are on different loops than the cabins are. So you wouldn't be able to have a tent site next to one of the cabins that are, are there on property. But when you first arrive, you pull in, you check in, just like you do at a regular um, uh, lobby at one of the resorts. They give you your, your tent site and give you the, um, the map to get back to it. And again, you can drive one car back. Have you ever actually uh, camped out there, Lou? 
I put camp out in air quotes. Uh, I remember <laughs> going there as a kid and we didn't actually stay in a tent, but we did stay in the cabins. But now that I have a family of myself, like we talk about, you know, we live very close to Walt Disney World now, but we talk about sort of doing a staycation by packing up our bags and going away and staying at Fort Wilderness because it's a very different experience, I think, than going and checking into a hotel and taking the bus or the monorail over because you do very much feel sort of removed from that resort type experience. So we thought it would be fun to go out and get a camp and sort of explore because a lot of sort of walking trails and places to go. And of course, I love Crockett's Tavern and Trails and Buffeteria, but that's a separate <laughs> and there's so much to do out there between the the archery and the horseback riding and uh, like you said totally removed it's like a whole separate vacation but you can just easily get on a bus or or hop a car and go to a theme park so i do highly recommend this location for um for families it's a wonderful escape if you will without having uh, a, a big price tag if you're willing to to camp out or bring in your I rv you can still get packages that will allow you to buy tickets or roll tickets into them so there's still a lot of options and the cabins are wonderful they're very nice size they're great for families um I'm not sure if you are supposed to put a tent on the outside of it. It's not really a, a campsite per se, but, you know, you can always just pull up the car and, and put the kids in sleeping bags in the backseat, you know, if they really want to be removed. But there's plenty of space and they do have bunk beds in, in the cabins as well. Um, if you have friends and you want to be next door to each other, book early so that you can get um, cabins that are next door if you want to do that instead. I sent a research trip and possible live broadcast coming from the cabins in the, in my near future. But let me go back to... I'll take the cabin. Your, yeah, I figured. Um, <laughs> I sent you in a tent and dirt. Um, let's go back to your other questions because your question about the Haunted Mansion was both correct and mm -hmm. incorrect because you talked about the stretching room being an elevator or possibly not. And my answer is... It's a typical lawyer answer. It depends. Because in <laughs> Disneyland, it is in fact an elevator. And in Disney World, it is not. And so a little bit of quick history. The room in Disneyland is an elevator that was built out of necessity. Because what it needed to do was because the show building had to be built sort of outside the berm on the opposite side of where the railroad tracks were going to be, they needed to get guests somehow on the opposite side without going over they had them go down. So the elevator that is a stretching room takes you down. You walk through a hallway, and above that hallway are is uh, the Walt the Disneyland Railroad, and then you enter the show building, which is actually the Haunted Mansion attraction. Well, the effect was so good and so popular that they built it out in Walt Disney World, but it didn't need to be an elevator because here they built the show building inside of the Walt Disney World Railroad tracks. So they kept the effect there, and that's why the layout of the two attractions is different. When you come out of your, your one of the two stretching rooms, you sort of meet in the middle and then get on your doom buggy there without having to walk down that uh, the hall of the portrait galleries. And I was going to ask you, do you know which one Phantom Manor is? I think I need to take a research trip. <laughs> so I'm going to say that Phantom Manor is an illusion. It's an elevator. I mean an elevator. <laughs> it's an illusion of an elevator. I stumped you one you time. All right, better move on before I before Should I start. I do you want to start going? Do you want me to start asking trivia <laughs> questions? So, Becky, why don't you talk to me about the um, the island that he was talking about right in the middle of um, Bay Lake there? 
that would be Discovery Island, right? Yeah. Why don't you give me the history of, of Discovery Island? I'm thinking that I would, <laughs> love to see, I would have loved to have seen that be a mystery creation. So, or, or WDW Radio Survivor. Survivor Island. All right. So let's give them a little quick bit of history. And I'm going to link you to an article I wrote on the uh, WW Radio website because that was originally known as Treasure Island, a.k.a. Discovery Island, a.k.a. Blackbeard's Island, a.k.a. Riles Island. And the history of this island very much predates Walt Disney World. Uh, it was an island that was owned by a radio DJ. It was known as Raz Island at that time. And this island has a lot of significance to Walt Disney World history because, as legend goes, when Walt was flying over this area of Central Florida that he was very interested in purchasing uh, to locate his Florida project or his Florida theme park, he looked down at Bay Lake and he looked down at this island and said, this is it. This is the spot that we're going to build. So here's your trivia question, Becky. When Walt Disney landed that day, uh, the day that he decided that this was going to be the location, he looked down at Raz Island and says, this is where I want to build for a variety of reasons. What did Walt Disney learn? I knew I was going to be in a lot of trouble if I threw <laughs> one question at you. Just one. And this All right, is look, I'll I give get. you some hints. It Would it be, it's, a, it's a marsh? No, he learned something <laughs> that changed the course of American history. Really? Enlighten me. It was 1963. What took place? In, come on, you remember, you were like 22 at the time. What took place in November 1963 that changed the course of the history of the world? Oh, President Kennedy. President Kennedy was shot. So wow. there you go. All right. so, no, I was not alive. Just for the record, I wasn't even whatever. born yet. Moving so on. Disney purchased the island. They were going to originally uh, make it sort of a pirate-themed island. It was going to be called Blackbeard's Island. Eventually, they changed it to Treasure Island. Um and this was going to be sort of a nice diversion from going to theme park attractions. It was going to be a place that people could go and explore. And there's going to be wrecks of pirate ships and the Benbow Inn and Ben Gunn's Fort and lakes and waterfalls. And then in 1974, they decided to add tropical birds to the island. And then they sort of put this idea of the pirate theme on hold. They brought in 600 birds and moved lots of dirt and... and um, rocks and boulders to really create a sanctuary for birds and it opened in 1974 as treasure island sort of as a bird sanctuary with a little bit of the remnants of the pirate theme there you had to buy a special adventure ticket in order to go and you could take a boat from the contemporary of the polynesian to get out there um at one point this was really cool in 1977 when the rescuers came out they ran disney ran a contest along with general electric and it was called the rescuers diamond sweepstakes and it allowed one family a chance to win a trip to Walt Disney World to search for and dig for a diamond on Treasure Island worth $25,000. Oh, cool. Right? <laughs> that would so, be fun. Um, long story longer, eventually the natural inhabitants of the island sort of grew faster than the island's popularity, you could say. And eventually they get rid of the pirate theme in 1978. They call it Discovery Island. And they really wanted to focus on the wildlife, so flamingos and gators and swans and deer and rabbits and everything else. Uh, they built a huge aviary in there. They had a snack bar there. And this was a great one. My dad liked going over here because it very much was a not a theme park type experience. It very much was focused on the animals and conservation. And everything. I mean, it was actually uh, accredited as a zoological park by the uh, American Association of Zoological Parks and Aquariums in 1981. And when Animal Kingdom opened eventually, 
1998, um, it sort of began to, I think, sort of sound the death knell for the island. Um, it wasn't, you know, something that was a must-do for everybody. It was not super, super popular. And now with all these animals over on Discovery Island in um, Animal Kingdom, you didn't necessarily have to go and make that special trip out to Discovery Island in the middle of Bay Lake. So in April 1999, Discovery Island closed. It sat abandoned for years. Yes, there was rumors for a long time when the game missed, that online sort of role-playing, turn-by-turn game came out. They talked about making it a miss theme island, a private retreat for honeymooners, a lost attraction island for the lost TV show. Uh, you can drive by it. If you rent one of the watercrafts, you can drive by it near it. Not Don't try and get on it. You can't get access to the land. But you can see some of the abandoned remnants of uh, the aviary and the snack shop that are there. Really uh, been ravaged by a hurricane and overgrown not only by the vegetation, but by the animal life that has taken over the island as well. Yeah, it really does look like it's it's just been abandoned for years, which it has. And there's uh, a, a lot of um, a wildlife have taken up sanctuary there. But I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere down the line they relook at plans for it again. You know, you look at places like Discovery slash Treasure slash Riles Island and River Country, and you just sort of hold out hope that something may happen. And I think <gasps> eventually it will. World of Warcraft Island. It is not going to be the World of Warcraft <laughs> Island. Get off the Mountain Dew. Let's move on to the next question. Because Mandy Kelly says, hey, Lou, my family is planning on taking our next trip to Walt Disney World in early November 2012. We're hoping to stay in a family suite at the new Art of Animation Resort. Is there any updates on when they'll be opening for sure? More importantly, based on the current info and previous experience, how soon in advance do you think we'll be able to make reservations for the resort? Thanks in advance for the info. Sincerely, Mandy Kelly. Well, Mandy, I will tell you that Art of Animation is open, sort of. It's opening in phases. And already, the Finding Nemo, the first section, opened on May 31st. And the car section just opened on June 18th. The Lion King is set to open this summer on August 10th. And the Little Mermaid will open September 15th. So the entire resort will be open for you when you come in November. Now, I've had a chance to check out the Finding Nemo. I stayed in one of the suites there. I've been able to walk around a little bit of the Cars-themed section. Uh, I love, love, love this resort. I sort of term it in my own way as value plus because those family suites and the theming and the enclosed hallways and the landscape of flavors food court and the way it's designed and the pool with the music. And it's, it is a so well done, so well themed. You talk about immersive type resort experiences this is very much one of them after coming from cars land in california and being so excited about what radiator springs there is is i need to go and stay and check out the rooms over in cars as well research right all in the name of research research. (laughs) i gotta say i i haven't seen it myself but it is very popular we have a lot of clients that are booking this resort or asking about this resort so uh know that it's not going to be well like you said it's kind of like that bridge between a value and a moderate in a way from the amenities that we're seeing and um just just the benefits that you're getting from staying there but those family suites will sleep up to six guests and they have plenty of room and the rack rate or the beginning rate for those 
start at around 250 a night for value season and go up. So you're not going to find that $64 a night in a family suite. I want to make sure people understand that one. But it is going to be very popular. And a lot of people are going to ask specifically for, you know, that, that their little boy wants to stay in the, in the cars area or the little girl really wants to be in the little mermaid area. So if you have your heart set on being in a specific location, make sure you book as early as possible. And the thing, too, about Art of Animation and those family suites is, yes, the price point is going to be higher mm-hmm. than a regular value resort, but you have such a great money-saving opportunity there for a number of reasons. Obviously, one, you can fit more guests. So now if you have five or six people, you don't have to worry about getting two, two rooms. But more importantly, having that little kitchenette in there, a place to make bref- breakfast, you know, have something late night, uh, a snack or even lunch right in the room without having to maybe go out and have a full-blown breakfast every day, that's another great way to save money. And it too, because it's so well-themed, like I found that my kids wanted to stay at the resort and play in the pool and go to the arcade and sort of look around at what was going on and play in the little water splash play area than almost go to the park sometimes. Right, and you don't have to have one of the suites to enjoy it. They do have just the regular guest rooms, which will sleep up to four guests, and that's where you can find that that value price tag starting at around ninety five or lower, depending on if there's a an offer going at the same time. So you can still very much enjoy the resort at that value price point and all of its amenities, uh, and obviously have access to a suite if you do need that extra room and the extra space for the extra guests. Yep, and I talk a lot about art of animation. Uh, on show number 272 from April 29th, I'll link to it in this week's show notes. You can go back and listen to our discussion uh, when I was there for the grand opening. All right, so moving on, Elizabeth's question says, Hey, Lou, thanks for the great podcast and newscasts. I have a question about the Premier Passport. Does it come with passholder discounts, such as accommodations? And if so, how do you secure the discount for the accommodation you need to book before your trip to the park, which is the only place you can buy a Premier Passport? Now that I can, not that I can afford one right now, but when dream planning, all possibilities need to be explored. Thank you, Elizabeth. So very quickly, Becky, for those who don't know, a premier passport is for those guests who maybe are, they call Disneyland or Walt Disney World home, but gives you a year of admission to both Disneyland Resort theme parks in Anaheim and the four theme parks and the two water parks at Walt Disney World in a single pass. Yes, and it is so beneficial for those who do tend to go to Disneyland once or twice a year and go to Disney World a couple of times a year. So it's very beneficial. And yes, it does offer the same types of discounts uh, that you'll find just in a regular annual pass on either coast. So I actually have one of these passes and you can easily um, use it in Disneyland or in Disney World for whatever uh, discounts are normally given for the annual passes for that location. So she makes a good point because the, the in order to purchase one of these passes, you do need to go to Disneyland Resort or um, their ticket booths there or guest relations at Walt Disney World theme parks or downtown Disney at Walt Disney World. So if she wants to book a package using one of those discounts, you sort of almost have to put the cart before the horse to purchase the pass at one of those locations and then actually book your discount, I would assume. Yes. Okay. This is a little gray. So follow me for a moment. Okay. You can call and book the room uh, without having the pass in hand, usually, sometimes. But the official policy is you have to have the valid pass when you check in. Okay. This seems 
to vary depending on who you talk to sometimes, unfortunately. But uh, if you try to book it online, it's going to require the actual pass number. So I suggest you call and or, or speak to a vacation planner to see if that's going to be an option for you. We have been able to book people who get on site. You have to go get your pass before you check in because you have to have a valid annual pass in your hand to check in to get that discount. Follow me? I'm with you. I got you. Okay. It, it can, again, vary, but the official policies, you have to have the valid pass when you check in. Right. And just for those who don't know, the, the Premier Passports, the current pricing is $849. Uh, that is for any guest age three or older, obviously, plus any applicable sales tax. And I will tell you, Becky, that for a long time, the Premier Passport was something that was not on my radar because I'm a Walt Disney World person. I live here. And Disneyland was a place that I would visit maybe once every other year. But you know, um, and yeah. if you've listened to the show where we talked about Cars Land and Buena Vista Street and California Adventure, now all of a sudden, that Premier Passport is looking like a better deal for me because Disneyland is one of the must-do-every-year, probably at least once. And now that D23 has events out there, there's all kinds of things going on, now all of a sudden, the Premier Passport for me may look like the best possible value. Yeah, and I do know that a lot of people have done a lot of analysis to see how many days and visits you would need into each place. So if you were to get a regular AP at Disney World because you're going to spend at least 10 days there, that makes sense for an annual pass or a premium annual pass if you're afraid of, uh, of any of the blackouts or, or situations an AP comes with. But if if you're planning to spend, um, it, I think it was at least three nights or four, or excuse me, four days in the parks, three or four days, then it made the premiere worth it. Now, don't quote me because I haven't done the math since the recent increase in prices, but that was the logic at the time. And do you know the answer to the question is, because I, I live in Florida, so I get a Florida resident discount on the annual pass. Do you know if those kind of discounts are available on things like premier passports? The last time I had checked, there was zero zilch no uh uh, discounts available on the premier passes. Okay. So that's one of the advantages of being a Florida resident. You not only get a Florida resident discount, even if you don't do a seasonal pass, you can get a premium annual pass with no blackout dates. You are entitled to a discount. And as a Florida resident, you can also pay off your pass in monthly installments with no interest directly from Disney when you purchase it. So you do make a, an initial down payment on the pass and then Disney automatically takes out or charges to your credit card and monthly payment. So you're right. There is a lot of math. There is a sort of a lot of decision making to be involved as to where do you live? When are you going to go? What kind of discounts are available? And if the Premier Passport is right for you. But now all of a sudden, exactly. Premier Passport could be on the radar. So research trips only. All right. Next question <laughs> uh, says, hey, Lou, love the show. It's so fun and entertaining. It's been so helpful for my fiance and I in planning our trips to Walt Disney World. Thanks to your podcast, <clears throat> Pay close attention here, Becky. We even booked, thanks to your podcast, we even booked our last trip to the world in December 2010 through MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. And let me tell you. What did you, you say? Thanks Sorry. to your podcast and your glowing reviews, we booked our last trip through <laughs> MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Let me tell you what a fantastic treasure they are. Aww. Becky and her team, our travel agent was Colleen are fantastic. We will certainly be using them again in the future. Thank you so much, Lou, for introducing us to the joys that are MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. I don't make the news. I just read it. Anyway, this leads <laughs> me to my questions. Sorry, there are a few. 
but I think they're apropos, ooh, SAT word, considering the topic of your latest podcast, which at the time was Disney Weddings and the upcoming voyage on the Disney Dream. My fiance proposed in front of Cinderella Castle on our last trip, and while a destination Disney wedding is not an ideal option for us, we are, however, planning on honeymooning there. We're thinking about a Disney cruise and adding on some days at the parks. As it will be our first cruise, we'll most likely choose a four-day option so we can test the waters, pun intended, and then spend the rest of our honeymoon in the parks. I've heard if you do a four-day cruise, the maximum number of days you can spend in the parks is three. Is that true? We're planning on a two-week getaway and want the remainder of our trip to be in the parks, a total of seven to nine days. Becky, let's take these one-on-one, one at a time. If they do the four-day cruise, what is the most... So I think that they're asking about a land-sea package and adding days on to the end of the cruise. Right. And at one time, Disney used to have a four-day sea, three-day land, or a four-day land, three-day sea option. And we found that it just is way too confining in time for people. So I actually have kind of come to the terms that I prefer to book the cruises and the land totally separately. And there's benefits to that. First, you can pick your three-day or your four-day cruise. And yes, do the four-day cruise. That extra day at sea you will find is fantastic. And I know that you and I will banter about that in a moment. But if you book the land separately, then you can take advantage of any deals that come out that can be applied later in case there is anything that, that comes up where if you book a land sea package at that one time with Disney Cruise, you weren't able to apply savings like a free dine or if there was uh, any other um, savings or promotions that come out. Plus, then you have the um, uh, the benefit of being able to decide how many days you want to spend in the parks without having to worry about being locked into a package. Yeah, and that was the next part of her question was, you know, if they do those additional days and book each part as separate vacations, though you can see what kind of deals are available. They want to know, what about using Magical Express to transport the luggage to the hotel? Are you still able to do that if you book them separately? Absolutely, because then it just becomes a a separate land vacation that you would add Magical Express to from the airport to the resort. And then you can add a, um, a transfer to the ship. So, or back from the ship, depending, let's say for a moment you're doing land first, then you can just do a ship transfer, which takes you from the resort to the port. And then say you're even wanting to spend more time, you can go back to the resort after the cruise, or you can go um, straight out to the, uh, to the airport if you have to leave. Nice. And, <laughs> and so Felicia from New York has one last question. She says, hey, I know that Disney has a honeymoon registry. What do you know about this and the pros and cons of using it? And as an alternate, could we use Disney gift cards to pay for payment balances on our trip? Thanks so much. Keep up the great work. Look forward to listening to the next podcast from Felicia. So mm-hmm. that's really two questions in one. Let's talk first about the Honeymoon Registry. And, you've, and if you visit Disney.HoneymoonWishes.com, that will take you to the Honeymoon Registry. I'll put the links in the show notes. Uh, I've never used it. Unfortunately, I was um, engaged and married before they had this up there. But I have talked to other people who have, and I think there are a lot of pros for using this because as part of your registry, no longer do you have to go to Fortune Off with the little gun and choose flatware that you'll never, ever use. I promise you, stop wasting your money. Instead, you can put things in like accommodations at your resort hotel. So maybe they're requesting 10 days and each gift is $100. You can see how many you want to add. Magic Your Way tickets, water park tickets, bike rentals, carriage rides. I mean, you can add every little bit and every little different way at a number of different price points. So maybe a 
dinner at Hoopty Doo and Flying Fish and why not the Queen Victoria's Room at Victorian Alberts, you can put those things on the registry and people can buy those for you. They can buy those type of dining experiences for you. Same thing with, you know, spa services and gifts that could be sent to your room or even just things like gift cards. You know, they call them fantasy funds and they can almost be sort of a gift card that you can use however you want while you're on your trip. And you can make those be, say, $25 an increment and people can put as much or as little as they want there. It's easy for people who are at home, especially if you are having a destination honeymoon or destination wedding and can't get there. So they can give you sort of the Disney experience that you want without having to actually be there. It's super easy. Easy. You register on the site. Um, you add the items. You can use announcements to send people to inform them that, hey, this is where I'm registered. Here's an easy way to purchase it. Here's the list. And Everything could be, you know, obviously come right to you exactly what you're looking for. I think it's really, really, really a good idea. I may want to get married again just so I can register at, at the Disney website. And I mean, now, to, to the same per- wait, I mean to the same person, not to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let me be clear. <laughs> well, let me throw the con at you because you got to be able to balance these. And it is a registry. It is done actually by a third party. And they do tack on a service fee of about 7%. So we have a a lot of different vacation planners also do registries as well. And some of them use the gift card route. Some of them have uh, worked directly with their planners so that uh, people can contact them to help them uh, put together uh, what they're looking for in their honeymoon. So several of those are service charge free. So you might want to think about Avoiding that that tag and going to a, a vacation planner who can uh, provide those same types of services if that's more comfortable for you or not um, at a at no charge rather than the 7% fees that are tacked on top. There you go. All right, so Becky, we're trying to go as fast as we can. We have so many questions to get to, but we are running long. So let's end with one more question. This comes from Daniel. If we didn't get to your question yet, I promise we will get to it on a future show. Last question says, hey, Lou. There is no clearer route to the mouse than WDW Radio. Thank you for being my eyes and, quote, mouse ears to the world while I toiled away at a desk here in New York City. So my question today is this. I want to orchestrate a surprise party for my brother in Walt Disney World. It will be his 50th. Pirates is his favorite ride, and my dream would be to have him enter his ride boat only to find family and friends as his fellow mateys. Is this even possible? Are there better rides, attractions, or restaurants for a surprise party? Thank you, as always, Daniel. So, Daniel, this is great. And you're right. There is no better place to have a party than at Walt Disney World. And there are a wide variety of options. And and I love your idea about having that kind of surprise at an attraction like Pirates. The problem is, is that there is no official way to say that you can go and say, yes, I can guarantee that you'll go there and they'll hold the boat for you. It depends on a lot of things. You know, if the attraction's slow, if you get a cast member and there's maybe only three or four guests, maybe they can put them to the side and you can try and try and time it. Disney cast members do so many special magical things like that each and every day, but it's not something that you can guarantee or plan for in advance. What I would suggest is that maybe there are other alternatives that you can do and maybe even incorporate a little bit of the, that pirates in there and have a surprise as well. Because, again, you can do things as simple as booking a restaurant. And some restaurants have private rooms. So you can have everybody sort of waiting in the back. I'm thinking about places like 
California Grill or uh, even the Wave has a room in the back of the Contemporary. But you can also do things. There's there's a lot of group space that you can book in Walt Disney World for some really unique special occasions. So, for example, for our 200th show, we had booked, thanks to MEI Massman Travel, uh, Aerials, which is a private venue space over at Disney's Beach Club Resort. It was great, and we had all kinds of snacks, and it, it was a, a really nice venue where people could mingle in a large group. But I also threw a very small party once, and I had it in a smaller venue called The Attic, which is up on top of Jelly Rolls in Disney's Boardwalk Resort uh, over on Disney's Boardwalk. And it was a surprise party, and we lured the guest in there, and she had no idea what was coming. And it was a great venue, a great space with beautiful views of the boardwalk. You could have characters come in. You can do a lot. And Becky, you obviously know because this is one of the things that you guys do is when people come to you with these kind of special requests of surprises that they want to have in store, this is where you're able to sort of dig into your bag of tricks and point out places and venues that you might not find on the Disney website, you know, at first glance, but are available if people want to book. Absolutely. There's all kinds of special nooks and crannies where you can have groups of anywhere as small as is 12 people on up for a dinner, a lunch, um, just a, a dessert reception, um, all kinds of things that we can find. So it depends on what you're trying to do. Now, what's really interesting about what he's looking at is obviously we can do something more formal, like in a in a space like what you were talking about. Or if you want to do something a little bit more simple, if it's a manageable amount of people, you can always just have the friends and family there at, say, um, at Pirates. And you bring the person in and they didn't know that everybody was there. And maybe you all go to Pirates League and everybody gets, you know, dolled up like pirates. And then you ride together on, on, the, um, on the boat, on the ride. But like you said... The cast members probably aren't going to be able to guarantee you that you'll all be together on the ride. But is this one of those things of bringing in that pirate theming that you're talking about? Or if you want to do something even just a little bit more simple, um, I know that the Walt Disney Florist also has room decorating options that are all pirates. Like when somebody's out of their room, they return and it looks like the pirates have just taken over your entire room. So there's a lot of options all the way down to from a simple decorations to um, having your, your friend dress up at, at Pirate League, which I think you've done that before, haven't you? I, I've done that. I'll, uh-huh. I'll, I'll, I'll embed the video in with this week's show. It's as <laughs> self-deprecating it is with the, with the teeth in the air. But you're Perfect. right. That I mean, all those things are great ideas. So if you want to have the surprise be when you check in or on one of the days, I know Disney Floral and Gifts, they do some really cool pirate-themed stuff. Uh, I'll yeah. try and see if I can find the link to the show that I did with Gene Volante from there, who talks and uh, about some of those special things. Or you could do stuff in the parks. I mean, there's lots of different ways you can do it and continue that surprise depending on how big and how much budget and, you know, what he may be into doing as well, too. Yeah, there's so many different options. And, and again, when you find that theme, that's the hardest part, is finding what the theme is going to be to build around the big surprise. And you've chosen one that's... A- pretty easy one to do and has a lot of flexibility so again it can be all the way if budget was unlimited you could do an entire ballroom that is nothing but a big pirate ship that is going to cost you several thousand dollars but you know if you can dream it you can do it um, and and have you know cast members that are pirates you can go that extravagant or all the way down to you know just having everybody meet up at, at pirates and surprise them and have him walk in and find 
a, a gang of friends that he didn't even know was going to be there, which it could be, you know, just as magical as, as a big ballroom when it's the right people, you know? Absolutely. And look, you have helped me do this on a number of different occasions, whether it's WW Radio group events that we've done or things for me personally and my family as well. And that's why I wanted to mention it because, and that's why I love having you on, because you do help make magic and you do help not only plan vacations, but this is one of the benefits of using an agency like yours is some of the really special stuff that you can do to really make this process a lot easier. That's why people should go and visit mousefantravel.com and go see Becky and her agents who really are awesome uh, and ask if you have questions about these kind of special things that you want to do, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a honeymoon, whatever it may be. Uh, That is why I love having you come on, Becky. I appreciate you sharing all that with us. You have to come back because I need to con you into buying me more food and we have a ton (laughs) more emails to get to and I promise we're going to get to those as soon as possible. If you have a question you want answered on the air, just email me at lou at wdwradio.com. What I do want to do, though, Becky Mankin, as always, is I want to leave the listeners with a question. All right, I want to leave them with a question because I want them to come to the website over at wdwradio.com. I want them to come there and comment there. So let's ask a question a little bit about some of the things that we talked to uh, talked about on this week's show. We can make it food-related. I'm going to let you ask the question, right? So it could be everything about food-related. It's about coral reef. We talked about um, we talked about some of the, the special effects in the Haunted Mansion. Talked about some of the themed resorts like Art of Animation, Premier Passports, Land and Sea Packages. You got nothing, do you? I just, you got nothing. You, you know... I, I'm still singing the Mater theme song in my head. It's still there. I, an hour right, later, so why don't it's we do still this? there. Why don't what? we have the listeners try and help out Daniel? Why don't we ask listeners, Ooh. what kind of idea do you have for Daniel to help really surprise and celebrate his brother's 50th birthday in Walt Disney World? He's a Pirates fan. Put on your creative pirate Mickey ears and pirate teeth and come to www.radio.com. <laughs> Leave your thoughts there in the comments section. Daniel, make sure you go and check out as well. You may get a good idea uh, over from the comments section. Becky, thank you again. I will see you again soon. Pit stop. Pit stop. Pit stop. Pit stop. Cozy cone. I know. we got to eat more in a cone. Seriously. Yeah, I cannot wait to go back for Did cozy you know that? cone. No, no. Remember the bacon cheddar popcorn in a cone? Uh, salt and vinegar. Seriously? Popcorn. Oh, the bacon cheddar? That was so much better. Popcorn and Luigi's flying tire. Oh, wow. We have to go back. Coffee circle. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! Peace stop. It's time for the Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I'll ask you about Walt Disney World history or a little bit of trivia, some details, maybe something you overlooked while wandering the parks. Last week, did something a little bit different. Instead of asking you a trivia question per se, I played a sound clip from a Walt Disney World attraction and asked you to identify not where it came from, but what part of that sound clip was missing. And the sound clip I played last week was this. Scooter, I'd like to present the three Ds. Hi, I'm Dorothy. I'm Dinah. I'm... Yeah, Debbie was sick, so uh, the union sent me. Debbie was sick, so the you. <clears throat> and all I asked you to do was identify what that third name was that was replaced with the chimes. 
Here's the sound clip without the chimes and with that third member of the 3Ds. Hi, I'm Dorothy. I'm Dinah. I'm Max. Yeah, Debbie was sick, so uh, the union sent me. Debbie was sick, so the union... <clears throat> and once again this week, a few hundred of you sent in the correct answer, which obviously was Max. You were playing for a prize package that included all six of my audio walking tours of Walt Disney World and a Walt Disney World 1971 Vinylmation. I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and this week's winner is Alex Perea. So congratulations, Alex. Please send me your address. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. Thank you and congratulations to all of you who played. Hope you had some fun this week with this one. If you didn't win last week, that's okay, because here is this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week. So I was giving a tour recently of the Magic Kingdom and I was talking with somebody whose favorite attraction is Mickey's PhilharMagic. And we spent a lot of time talking about the attraction and the shows that occupied that space before it, the technology, animation, music, characters, and a lot more. So it got me thinking about this week's question. And chances are you've probably seen and heard and smelled the show and know that it involves Donald's quest to retrieve Mickey's sorcerer hat. But do you remember who eventually gave it back to Donald? That's this week's question. In Mickey's PhilharMagic, who gave Donald back the sorcerer hat so he could eventually return it to Mickey? Email your answer to contest at wdwradio.com. You have until 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, July 15th. Again, this week's prize includes all six of my audio walking tours, sort of a virtual walking tour of Walt Disney World's history, attractions, and details, all with the ambient sounds of Walt Disney World in your ears behind you. And I've also been cleaning out the garage a little bit and found a lot of collectibles in a few dozen boxes that I was moving around this week. So I'm also going to include a vintage Walt Disney World souvenir from my collection. So you'll get all six of the guides and a vintage souvenir. Again, you have until 11.59 p.m. Sunday, July 15th. Email me at contest at www.radio.com. Good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. A couple of quick announcements about some upcoming WDW Radio events. First, as you know, our WDW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream is going to take place November 4th through the 8th, 2012. There are still cabins available, but if you are coming, I wanted to share with you a couple of things that are going on as we prepare for the cruise. First, uh, while a lot of us who are going on the cruise are getting to know each other through chats and the forums and the show and the blog posts and things like that, there's a lot of kids who are coming who don't necessarily get that same opportunity. So now what we're going to do is an, in addition to some pre-cruise kids meets and some stuff we're going to do on the cruise specifically for kids, we also want to have a way for them to maybe get to know each other before they get on board. So we're coordinating the WW Radio Kids and Teens Pen Pal Exchange. So if you're going to be joining us on the cruise and bring along the kids or teens, go to www.radio.com slash penpal. We're going to collect the kids' names and contact information, obviously with their parents' permission, and then share that with another kid or teen who's going to be on the cruise. Give them a chance to send one or two notes to each other over the summer, get to know somebody else in advance of the cruise. Things will be a great way to let the kids know that like the other people who are going, they too are amongst friends as well. 
And because the cruise is all about fun and friendship, we're also going to be coordinating for this cruise a WDW Radio Fish Extender Exchange. Now, you may be asking, what is a fish extender and what and how do I exchange them? Well, outside every stateroom next to the door on the Disney Cruise Line ships is a small metal fish that's actually on a spring that acts like a sort of like a binder clip. So if Disney or if somebody else wants to hang a note for your door, they can put it in that fish. Well, as part of the WWE Radio Cruise, Mouse Fan Travel is giving everybody what's called a fish extender. It hangs from the fish and has a number of pockets in it and acts as sort of a, a mailbox for your stateroom. So think back to grammar school on holidays like Valentine's Day, where you'd leave a little note or a present in one of those handmade mailboxes. Well, for those of you who want to sign up for the Fish Extender Exchange, you can do just that. You can leave small little notes or presents inside other registered members of the, of the Fish Extender Exchange, and they'll do it for you as well. It's a great way to get to know one another, share your love for Disney with other people on the cruise, and get a little surprise in your mailbox every day. During the next week, you're going to learn more about the exchange on the WDW Radio blog, including how to create your own mailbox, what kind of gifts are usually exchanged, and how to register for our exchange as well. Visit www.radio.com, click on the blog, and stay tuned to Twitter and Facebook for updates as well, too. And if you came on the WW Radio cruise last February, our first cruise in the Disney Dream, you know that we also had a great big pre-cruise party, thanks to Mouse Fan Travel, for Illuminations, a private dessert party out on the Isola of Italy. Well, I'm happy to announce that we are going to be doing it again. It's going to be bigger and better than last year's, and we'll have some more details as we get closer. Also wanted to let you know that Mouse Fan Travel does have a pre-cruise land package available exclusively for those who are booked on the cruise in November. And for a limited time, those who book in that group will also get two free tickets to the pre-cruise dessert party and a discount off tickets for additional guests who are staying in the room. I'll have a link in the show notes over to Mouse Fan Travel where you can get more information, get a no-obligation quote for the pre-cruise stay over at Walt Disney World in order to be part of the group and take part in the pre-cruise party. And don't worry, if you're not staying in the pre-cruise land group, we will have tickets available at a later time for those not booked as part of the group. But again, a lot of things coming up, a lot of plans being made for the WW Radio Cruise. Really, really excited about it. If you're still interested in coming or more information, visit www.radiocruise.com. If you're not coming, don't worry. There's lots of other events coming up because, again, I love the opportunity for all of us to get together, for me to meet you in person, whether you're coming to Walt Disney World or someone else. Again, I think nothing beats a handshake and a hug. So don't forget, too, we have our monthly WW Radio Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World. The next is going to be Saturday, July 28th. And this month, I thought about doing it outside one of the Walt Disney World theme parks for those of you maybe who don't have passes or have blackout dates. So we're going to have it on Saturday, July 28th, starting at 10.30 a.m. over at the Contempo Cafe at Disney's Contemporary Resort. It's on the fourth floor, part of the Grand Canyon Concourse. Figure it's early enough in the day. It's air-conditioned, which is very important in July. There's a monorail going overhead. And if you want to get a snack, the Contempo Cafe is right there. And then also, maybe afterwards, we'll take a walk or a monorail ride over to the Magic Kingdom as well, too. For more information, visit the events page over at www.radio.com. I'll also post a Facebook event as well. If you've never been to a meet of the month before, that's okay. Bring the whole family. It's a great first time to be able to do it. Get a chance for all of us to meet one another as well. Don't forget, too, there are still tickets available for our inaugural WDW Radio 
e-ticket event, something we're gonna do every year. We're kicking it off this year to start off Epcot's 30th anniversary with our evening at the American Adventurers Club. Think about the Adventurers Club in Pleasure Island, this time in the Rotunda with dinner, a special show that Disney has never done before over at the American-type Adventurers Club. It's going to be a fun, funny, interactive theater-type experience. And again, a great way to kick off the uh, 30th anniversary of Epcot. We've got some special surprises in store, some special guests who are coming, who are going to be enjoying the event that you're definitely going to want to meet as well. Just a little tease. For more information, visit the events page over at www.radio.com. If you have any questions, you can shoot me an email at lou at www.radio.com. And speaking of community, you know that our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America is of paramount personal importance to me. We've all done so much good through raising almost a quarter of a million dollars for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. And one of the fun ways to do it is through our WW Radio running team, whether you're running a half, a full, a 5K, East Coast, West Coast. It's a great way to be part of a team and help do some good as well. A lot of fun, too, being part of this running team community. You can join the running team anytime, and running, I put in air quotes, because you can walk, walk, jog, whatever it may be. All we ask is that for a cost of $35, that covers your membership materials, including, but not limited to, a team tech shirt, one of those moisture-wicking running shirts with the WWE running team logo, a headband, certificate, and all the shipping costs, and then you commit to fundraising or donating $100 to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America through the Dream Team Project. We want this to be accessible to as many people as possible. The commitment could be for a couple, a family, whatever it may be. You could also get additional shirts if you want. We are going to be placing another order for shirts in the next few days. So if you want to join within the next week or so, maybe if you're going to be running in the Disneyland Half Marathon, now is a great time to join. For more information, visit www.radio.com slash running. And listen, if you've never done a marathon event before, listen, if I've done a half marathon, anybody can do it. But if a half marathon is too steep for you, I've committed to start running Again, I put in air quotes, walking, jogging, walking, snacking our way collectively to the finish line for the 5K at the Walt Disney World Marathon weekend in January. Come by, join. It will truly be a fun run. For more information, visit www.radio.com slash running. And remember, too, as part of the team, we have people who can help motivate and coach you along the way on our Facebook event page and in the forums. So it's, it's a lot of fun. You can do a lot of good. And I promise the marathon weekend experience will be something you won't soon forget. All right. So I'm running long. Let me give a quick thanks again to our partners and sponsors. As you know, you just heard Becky on the show. They are not only my official and recommended travel provider, but they're great friends because I love their service. It's who I use when I go out to Disneyland or for the Disney cruise or adventures by Disney. They give you the best possible prices, all available discounts, all at no additional cost to you. Of course, they're over at mousefantravel.com. And when you're coming to Walt Disney World, you have lots of different options for places to stay and things to do. If you want something bigger, a large home with multiple master bedrooms to bring the whole extended family, allstarvacationhomes.com has hundreds of homes within just a couple of miles of Walt Disney World. Or if you want to stay right in the heart of Disney, try something different. Go to the Swan and Dolphin. They have the most comfortable beds on property, in my opinion. The Mandara Spa and 17 world-class restaurants, including my favorite, Todd English's Blue Zoo. Lots of specials and benefits there as well over at swananddolphin.com. And if you want to get a little bit of Disney magic delivered to you right at home or maybe on your mobile device, Celebrations Magazine comes out every other month. You can subscribe and order back issues over at celebrationspress.com. You can also now get the digital version on your iPhone or iPad. Visit wdwradio.com slash celebrations. It'll take you right to the iTunes store. 
And if you listened to the show before or looked at me, you know I love dining in Walt Disney World. Well, believe it or not, it just got easier and more fun with the Disney Food Blog Guide to Walt Disney World Dining. It's filled with more than 300 pages of detailed information, tips, real-world guidance so you can have the best trip and best food ever with your family. Bonus items with purchases include worksheets, scavenger hunts, sample dining itineraries. Look, they're so confident you're going to like it. They offer you a satisfaction guaranteed or money back, no questions asked guarantee. It's an ebook, so you can take it with you to the parks on your tablet or your smartphone. It's searchable, so you can easily find what you're looking for. It's a great deal. I love it. I use it. And because you're a WW Radio listener, you can also get a 20% discount on your purchase by using code WDW Radio. Visit them, purchase the book over at DFB, like Disney Food Blog, guide.com. I'll put a link to it in this week's show notes. Again, sorry I ran long, a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of stuff coming. I know I've been saying that, but I've been working hard on a number of new projects that I'm really excited about sharing with you very, very soon. As always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, if you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links on Facebook, Pinterest, Google+, your favorite discussion forums. And please come by, rate and review the show over on iTunes. It is very, very helpful. Very much appreciated as well. And finally, and most importantly, I believe that being optimistic and positive is the foundation towards any type of achievement and any sort of goal that you want. So get positive, get excited, start moving forward literally on the goal that you are most passionate about and the thing that you love and work at it hard each and every day. And I promise you will be much happier. Thank you again so very much for taking the time to listen this and every week and let me share something I am so passionate about with you. I hope you guys have a great week this week. So until next time, see ya. Hey, Lou, this is Chris from Kentucky. Hey, just telling you that I'm a new listener. I uh, kind of stumbled over your website when I was looking up other Disney websites. Kind of fell in love with the whole broadcast and been listening to uh, probably about 30 hours of uh, podcast. Uh, really killing it out at work. <laughs> probably not getting much done. But uh, just letting you know that uh, me and my wife both Disney fanatics. That's where I uh, posed my wife and also had her honeymoon. And now we're planning to take our newborn son, who's three months down there in October, and just telling you to keep up the good work, and you gave us a real good dose of Disney up here in Kentucky when uh, we can't get down there all the time. Hi, Lou. This is uh, Tony from Illinois, also known as Backside of Water in the Box, and I just got done a few seconds ago listening to show 281 uh, with Tim Foster, the top 10 attraction finales, and... I want to throw out a go with me here for my uh, favorite finale because it's kind of an attraction, but then again, it's not really, and that is the kiss goodnight to the castle at the Magic Kingdom. Whenever they start playing clips of Walt's opening day speech at Disneyland and all the music and the castle lights up, it brings a tear to my eye every time, and it is the perfect way to end the day at at the Magic Kingdom. But like I said, I I had to throw out a Tim Foster go with me here on this one. But love the show, love the newscast on Wednesday. Keep up the great work, and I'm hoping one day to make it out 
to a meet of the month so I can give you a hug in person. Bye. Hi, Lou and WDW Radio family. It's Jen Tremley calling from Bristol, Connecticut. I just finished listening to this week's um, show with the top ten attraction finales, uh, show 281, with you and uh, Tim, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it as always, uh, as I always do with the top tens. And I just wanted to comment briefly in regards to uh, a couple of my favorite uh, attraction finales. Um, probably my first and foremost would have to be Soren, um, followed by... Um, I know it's kind of basic, but I love the obviously the attraction finale at the Tower of Terror because you're in the drop shaft, um, and I love that ride. It's probably one of my favorites. Um, and I have to say uh, I like the finale uh, in the Enchanted Tiki Room when everybody gets going. You got all the tiki gods and the birds and the flowers, and everything is you know singing and 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 banging and going and. Um, I've always loved the finale of that, so I'm very, very happy that the, they finally made the Enchanted Tiki Room back to the way it was. Um, I was not a huge fan of the uh, under new management. Um, but anyway, um, had a great time listening to the show. There's so many uh, great, great attractions, obviously, there, um, so it's very hard to pick. I can see where you guys had a hard time trying to get to the top ten with the uh, finales, but you guys did a great job, as always. I appreciate it, uh, everything you do. Uh, continue with the top tens. Um, I love them, and uh, I absolutely have to say, I was listening to some of the old podcasts. I listen to them all the time, and I remember one show specifically where Tim had said something about doing a top ten safety spiel. Um, I have to say you should look into that because I think that would be a pretty cool one, you know, top ten safety spiels you know, in Walt Disney World, because um, I, I, you know, I don't know. I think it would be a cool show. So anyway, give it some thought, and uh, thanks for everything you do, and uh, I will uh, keep moving forward and hope everybody has a great week. Talk to you later, and have a great Fourth of July. You've got a friend in me. Yeah. And thanks for listening all the way through to the very end. As my thanks to you, special gift to you, I want to give you a 50% off offer to your entire order over at the WDW Radio Shop. All six of my audio guides to Walt Disney World you can get for 50% off. Just use code JULY4, one word, J-U-L-Y, the number four. It'll save 50% on your entire order for a limited time. Thank you again for listening to the end. I'll see you in the box on Wednesday nights, or I'll see you next week. Thanks again.